0: today's Morning Magazine. It's Friday, November 4th of 2022. I'm your host, Christian Garibay. Coming up on today's program, for this first Friday in November, we bring you our monthly look at the natural world on The Nature Almanac. Next, are you procrastinating on filling out your ballot? We'll give you a few reasons to get it done sooner than later. After that, we'll hear about what's going on at the 45th annual Denver Film Festival. Then, we'll go to Sports Talk, our weekly regional sports roundup. At the bottom of the hour, Connections comes your way. Hosted by Fiona Foster, she meets with her special guest, the Professor of History and Vice Provost for Diversity and Inclusion at Regis University, Dr. Nikki Gonzalez. Then, at 9.30, Dave McIntyre will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. That's all still ahead, but first, these headlines with KGNU's Stacey Johnson.
1: Organizers of the Frozen Dead Guy Days in Netherland announced this week they are putting the Eccentric Festival on ice for 2023. Organizers say the festival, which started in 2002, has experienced growing pains and increased budget expenditures in recent years. This year, according to a statement on the festival website, the town of Netherland refused to work with them again, listing a number of concerns. In a Facebook post, town officials wrote, There were, however, significant challenges that resulted from FDGD not adhering to the plans submitted, discussed, and finalized during technical review committee meetings, ultimately creating confusion, disorganization, and safety concerns. These challenge areas included things like communication, mud-snow mitigation plan, parade event logistics, parking traffic, safety, security, site plan development, and zero-waste compliance. According to the Denver Post, the festival's co-owner declined to elaborate on the friction between the event's ownership and the town. The annual March festival celebrates Norwegian native Brito Morstel, who died in 1989, and whose family moved his body from Norway and cryogenically froze it under dry ice in a Netherlands tuff shed. Festival events include a polar plunge, coffin races, and ice sculpting. According to organizers, the 2022 festival drew about 20,000 people. Organizers say they will continue to sell merchandise and keep the community informed until a plan is in place for the 2024 festival. Governor Jared Polis is on the road in Colorado's high country this week, hoping to show voters what he's done for western Colorado ahead of the midterm election next week. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio's Caroline Againus has more. Polis says he's the candidate who's going to go to bat for Colorado on issues like water rights, especially
2: when it comes time to renegotiate the Colorado River Compact. He says he doesn't want to pit one part of Colorado against another and opposes transmountain diversions that move water from the western slope to the Front Range
3: which means that we need to do better around conservation, both in the urban and suburban interface. And that includes when you have more affordable housing, and it's also often more water efficient. Uh, and we need to make sure we can expand best practices in ag that can reduce water usage and improve profits for our farmers and ranchers.
2: His opponent, Republican Heidi Ganahl, has emphasized water storage and increasing reservoir capacity in her proposed policies. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Caroline Yanez.
1: A 48-year-old free solo climber experienced injuries after falling roughly more than 80 feet from the second flat iron on Tuesday afternoon. Two climbers who were nearby were able to reach the injured climber and call 911 for help and direct rescuers to the scene. Upon rescue, the man responded to questions but was unable to move his body. Rescuers were able to load the man in a full-body vacuum splint and lower him further down the second flat iron to ambulance crews. Boulder County is joining several other Colorado counties in a lawsuit to stop the creation of a train track that would transport crude oil between Utah's Unita County and Colorado. KGNU's Jack Armstrong has more.
4: The Coalition of Communities Involved in an Effort to Stop the Train say it would heighten wildfire sensitivity and cause significant environmental damage. The 88-mile Uinta Basin Railroad would begin at the Uinta oil fields and travel through Colorado along I-70. The 110-car train could carry anywhere from 65,000 to 350,000 barrels of crude oil a day through Colorado. The coalition is stressing the public safety impacts as an adjacent train line could pose a threat to Boulder County. Spokesman Gloria Handyside testified, We are concerned about the environmental and public safety impacts of numerous trains transporting crude oil through the county and neighboring communities. Furthermore, counties alongside I-70 have a vested interest in trying to halt the train as the train serves as a tremendous threat to their community. For KGNU, I'm Jack Armstrong.
1: The Fort Collins City Council unanimously approved making the Income Qualified Assistance Program permanent Tuesday night. The program, which began as a pilot four years ago, provides a utility discount to low-income residents for electric, water, and wastewater services. As part of the permanent adoption, council members increased the discount from 23% to 25%. According to Fort Collins, Colorado, the city's rate analysis said the cost of natural gas has increased significantly heading into the winter months, and because of the surge in rates, the city will encourage citizens who qualify for the program to apply. Today's weather includes cloudy skies that will gradually become clear starting mid-morning. Today's highs will be in the low 40s. Tonight, skies will be mostly clear for Denver and partly cloudy for Boulder and Fort Collins. Tonight's lows will be in the upper 20s. The National Weather Service has issued a caution that winds will increase over the ridges and east slopes late this afternoon and evening. Winds of 25 to 40 miles per hour will become common above Timberline and in the higher and more wind-prone foothills. Hills locations. Gusts up to 75 miles per hour are possible late tonight. Blowing and drifting snow may be a problem in exposed higher areas. The current temperature in Boulder is 28 degrees. For KJNU, I'm Stacey Johnson.
5: It's November. What's happening in the natural world? Here are Boulder Naturalist with Carol Cushman and Scott Sievers.
3: Wow, that was it a must bunch have of been
5: Robins.. That robins. <laughs> <laughs> one flew by so close I thought it was going to brush my cheek with its wings. We're standing on a bridge over Boulder Creek. And I think winter finally has decided to come to Boulder, but we still have a little bit of color around. The cottonwoods still have some old gold color in the willows, and they're reflected in the waters of Boulder Creek, so it's a very pretty morning. And we're hoping to see fall birds. So far, our tally has been one Townsend Solitaire and a large flock of robins.
3: The robins are keying in on juniper berries and choke cherries. <laughs> and even unusual things like poison ivy berries.
5: Oh, that is wonderful. Uh, uh, I'm so excited I can't say the name. I want to say Oozle, but the correct name is actually Dipper. Just flew in and it's dipping up and down in the water right below the bridge, looking for little bug bits in the bottom of the water. And then it hops up on a rock and, and bobs up and down and up and down. And my goodness, it just (laughs) went underneath the bridge. It just
3: took the current down the stream like a little duck.
5: Oh, oh, what a thrill. (laughs) The dipper is one of the very few birds that sings in winter, and it's a beautiful, complicated song.
3: The reason they're singing is to defend the length of stream to secure food resources all winter. And they're eating things like mayfly and caddisfly, larvae, worms and small fish.
5: Do they eat the New Zealand mud snail?
3: I bet you they might.
5: We just saw the white-crowned sparrow fly down.
3: I like to think of it as a cute little bird wearing a bicycle helmet. (laughs)
5: Look
3: at all the sparrows just before that little stream crossing. The sparrows really like to feed on the ground and pick up weed and grass seeds and they'll do this little kicking motion to loosen those seeds from the ground here's some juncos in this small shrub just to the right of the willow juncos are fun little guys they're dapper dressed up in little gray suits with white outer tail feathers one of the most common birds at bird feeders in the winter
5: Junkos are sometimes called snowbirds because they're thought to appear just before the snow sure enough the juncos and the white crowns are all winter visitors this is the first time i've seen them so far this winter how about you scott
3: exactly mixed birds all hanging out together they use that as a defense against predators because there's more eyes in a mixed flock the robins are The supreme sentinels, (laughs) but other really good sentinels are chickadees and jays.
5: With Carol Cushman and Scott Seavers, our friends and Boulder naturalists.
0: You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Christian Garby. As we get closer to Election Day, election officials around the state are encouraging voters to return their ballots as soon as they can. Eagle County clerk and recorder Regina O'Brien says that there is a false conspiracy theory circulating that encourages people to wait until after 3 p.m. on Election Day to vote to avoid vote tampering.
2: So waiting till election day and specifically in the afternoon, what it would do is create potentially long lines at vote centers and possibly cause our unofficial election results to take longer to get out to voters. Um, A deluge of ballots on election afternoon could easily push counties such as Eagle, my county, to have to stop counting on election night and resume the next day. I honestly say clerks, perhaps even more than the media or candidates or issue committees want to complete counting on election night. However, we need to balance efficiency with accuracy, and a large number of ballots on election day will naturally result in this process taking counties longer.
0: Another clerk and recorder who is encouraging early voting when possible is Molly Fitzpatrick in Boulder, who says the earlier votes are in, the sooner results will be posted.
2: We like to say, you know, vote early, but most importantly, vote and vote at a time that is most exciting to you. And if that's election day, that's great too. But uh, voting early does help us uh, provide a more complete set of results on election night because we are spreading out that those processing activities over a longer window of time.
0: All ballots must be returned by 7 p.m. on November 8th. 45th annual Denver Film Festival opened this week, bringing around 200 films to the local theater-going audiences. KG News' Rosana Longo-Better spoke with Amriel Turrentine, programming coordinator at Denver Film.
2: So as far as the festival, I mean, our primary venue, so we have our red carpet presentations, which all take place at the Ellie Calkins Opera House, which is an absolutely beautiful venue. And then we also have our C Film Center, which is Denver Films Year-Round Home. We have year-round programming there. And then we are also using the AMC uh, 9. And uh, we have a few screenings at the Denver Botanic Gardens as well. So we're a little bit, you know, multiple places in Denver, all very beautiful venues. And it's just a... It's a joyous uh, occasion, and I'm glad we get to celebrate it across Denver.
6: What are you bringing for our audience here in Colorado?
2: So that is a big question because we are playing over 200 films throughout the course of the festival. Um, I Just a few highlights. So our red carpet presentations, which I mentioned, all take place at the Ellie Hawkins Opera House. We're going to have on Friday, November 4th at 8 p.m. also at the Ellie will be our centerpiece film, which is Empire of Light. That's directed by Sam Mendez, who directed uh, American Beauty, Jarhead, Skyfall 1917, I believe, um, if you are familiar with any of those, that film stars Olivia Colman. It's more of a romantic drama, but it's also kind of a powerful ode to cinema and the strength of human connection. So cinephiles should absolutely check that one out. Um, Our Big Night presentation is actually a local film, which is super exciting. So that one is going to be screening uh, Thursday, November 10th at 8 p.m. That one is titled The Holly, directed by Julian Rubenstein, and he actually also authored a book about the same subject, but that film is focused on uh, the Holly area of Denver, and it focuses and follows a former gang member turned anti-gang activist named Terrence Roberts, who at a peace rally was actually involved in a shooting, so the film follows that case, but also, um, you know, bigger conversations surrounding the political conditions that play into Denver's gang activity, including gentrification and just what these things kind of mean for the future of Denver. And then our closing night presentation will be Saturday, November 12th. We're playing Women Talking, which is directed by Sarah Polly. It is based on a 2018 novel of the same name, uh, focusing on a community of Mennonite women who are conducting secret meetings to discuss how they'll collectively respond to the brutal assaults that they're experiencing perpetrated by the men in their colony. Um, So that film has Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Uh, Frances McDormand has a small role in the film, and she also produced it. And what we're very excited for at the festival is actress Sheila McCarthy, who is also in the film. Uh, She will be attending the screening in person to accept the Career Achievement Award, and there will be a conversation with her before the film as well. So like I said, we have over 200 films, but those are our red carpet presentations.
6: Film festivals here in Colorado are incredible. Would you say that we somehow in Colorado, we are a mecca of film?
2: I would say um, I think that could be applied to a lot of different areas. But I think, of course, being the Denver Film Festival, we really hone in on Colorado filmmaking and filmmakers in general. Um, So we have a really robust program for our Colorado spotlight, which does include the Holly. um, But I believe there are. Six other feature films, going to be a screening of a Netflix show called How to Build a Sex Room, which is actually filmed in Denver. And then we also have one being narrative films and one being documentary films. So we really do like to, um, you know, highlight filmmaking from all around Colorado, or even films that may not necessarily be based in Colorado, but have some sort of Denver or general Colorado connection. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of exciting filmmaking and new cinema storytelling in general coming out of Denver specifically and the state as a whole. And this is something that I'm still learning. I am fairly new to Colorado. I've only been here uh, coming up on a year. So it's been a true pleasure getting, uh, getting immersed in the Denver and Colorado filmmaking scene.
6: Why do we need to support our independent producers and filmmakers?
2: In our current climate, um, considering, you know, technology, the barriers of entry, I would say, are lower for film. So, for example, you know, I can pull out my iPhone and make a film right now if I wanted to about, you know, my apartment or whatever I want to talk about. Um, But I think it can be difficult to actually uh, get the film completed in terms of you know funding and financing and just finding a team and all those things. So I think it's important to support filmmaker, independent filmmakers specifically. Um, so they're able to tell those stories because it can be a lot more difficult to do so um, you know if you don't necessarily have studio backing or large
6: names attached. How can people find out more about this Denver Film Festival? Yeah, so you can go to denverfilm.org
2: and you can just go to the 45th Denver Film Festival and we have our complete film schedule, lineup, special events, everything there. Tickets can also be purchased there or you can stop by the C Film Center box office and talk to some of our box office box officers um and yeah, just kind of ask around meet staff uh, meet other people filmmakers and we have a lot to offer at the festival so um yeah go to denverfilm.org or stop by the sea and you will find someone and uh, they will direct you in the proper direction to get immersed in our festival
6: i have been speaking with Ambrielle touring she's the programming coordinator at denver film festival for kg i am rosanna Longobetter.
4: dude sports talk is sick No, like, actually, he edited out a lot of coughing.
6: Hello, and
4: welcome back to the best sports show on KGNU Sports Talk with Jimmy. Excuse my voice a little bit. I'm a little under the weather. But today, I wanted everybody to just kind of take a step back. I know life has been hectic, especially right now with elections going on. It's a stressful time, and I just wanted to remind everyone to take a step back and a breather every once in a while. So let's do that. Take a step back and a deep breath. And let's take our mind off of the stressful elections of right now. Because I have a good story for you today. I have a nice little heartwarming story about a University of Denver basketball player. Her name is Emma Smith. And when she arrived on campus, she really didn't plan on being a basketball player. Smith was a standout basketball player at Vestavia High School in Alabama. And she was an all-time leading scorer during her time spent with the team. She was even twice selected to be on the first team All-Alabama roster. That means, in the entire state, she was among the best out of all Alabama women basketball players. But, athletics was not the driving factor in her decision on where she wanted to go to college. Her parents had always pushed for her to go for academics first, and if you get to play athletics, that's just a bonus. So when she applied and got into the University of Denver, she was ready to give up on basketball. But her high school coach wasn't ready for her to give up on basketball. They actually called the University of Denver's head coach, Dasha Woods, and highly recommended that she give Smith a shot on the team. So during spring break, Smith had taken a ski trip up to Colorado. In that time, she spent some time in Denver during the trip and she got to meet with the coach, the staff, and a few of the players on the team. She would end up getting a call back from them saying that they were going to offer her a spot on the team as a preferred walk-on. Now, what that means is she's not going to get a scholarship to go play there, but she will have a spot on the roster. Smith, of course, said yes, the opportunity of playing basketball, a game she loved, at a school she also really enjoyed, was too good of an opportunity to pass up on. And eventually... She ended up being one of the hardest working people on that team, and the coach noticed. So when a few scholarship opportunities popped up, Smith was the first to receive them. Now, a scholarship player on the roster, Smith really wasn't done there still. She earned her way to being a member on the leadership team for the women's basketball team. This is a group of women that have shown consistent leadership both on and off the court. She did this all as just a freshman, and the season hasn't even begun yet. Denver will kick off its season against Air Force on November 7th at the Hamilton Gymnasium in Denver. And that's just about all the time for today. Now back to your regularly scheduled election craziness. You've been listening to Sports Talk with Jimmy here on KGNU.
3: This is George C. with the Phantom Power Collective. KGNU's concert calendar is sponsored by the Mishawaka. More information at themishawaka.com. Brazilian band Os Mutantes plays tonight at the Bluebird Theatre. Seeing Stars performs tonight at Bootstrap Brewing, and Thunk performs tomorrow. Also tonight, Mary Lynn Gillespie presents an album release show at the Muse Performance Space. Derek Dames-Ole plays at Gold Hill Inn tomorrow. FY5 plays Sunday. Also tomorrow, the Fort Collins Symphony presents Escape to New Realms at the Lincoln Center. Kevin Morby and the Photographs perform tomorrow at the Gothic Theatre. Dave A. Bear performs Sunday at the Mountain Sun Pub. And also Sunday, Chautauqua presents La Pompe with Jeremy Moni. More information is available on the concert calendar at KGNU.org.
0: And that is all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Christian Garibay. Thanks to Stacey Johnson, Jack Armstrong, Alexis Kenyon, Rosana Longobetter, better Maeve Conran, Shelley Schlender, and Jimmy Steerfoss for their contributions to today's program. Stay tuned for Connections, That's coming up just after these news headlines from the BBC.